that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Monday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. A lot to talk about. Big, huge weekend of football in the Commonwealth, specifically Kentucky's win over South Carolina, moving to 4-1 and one on the season. Uh, you got to imagine a, a win over Louisiana Monroe, and that would mean just one more game throughout the schedule to become bowl eligible. An absolutely huge win for Kentucky over South Carolina. Uh, we'll spend the majority of the show today talking about that, what that means for UK, where UK goes from here, what there was to like about the game, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll talk about it all here on today's edition of the Sports Talker. Louisville also got a big win against Syracuse. Sorry for being out on Friday. Had some work that I needed to do. Feel bad. I, I was excited to be able to be at lo- on location to preview a big weekend sports, give my predictions. I uh, didn't get a chance to do that or make my picks for the week. So we're still standing at 13 and 11 on the season. Didn't get a chance to make my picks for Saturday. Although, if there had to be a, a weekend where I didn't make my picks, I'm glad it was this weekend because just upset after upset, no team was safe. Probably wouldn't have done very well, but as we have it, it's uh, it's it was my bye week for making picks. We'll be back at it this weekend. Another exciting weekend of college football. Not quite the buildup for Kentucky, Louisiana, Monroe that there was for Kentucky, South Carolina. But you've got to be feeling great if you're a Cats fan. You've got to be feeling great heading into that game and having a chance to be 5-1 and one heading to LSU next Saturday. That'll be a 7.30 kickoff they announced today. So it'll be a night game. Should be a, another great game. And, and with LSU getting pounced on by Auburn this weekend, I, I don't know if that LSU game is necessarily a loss. Looking at the remainder of Kentucky's schedule, there could be, it's really, it's, you, you can't definitively say what, what games will be a win, what games will be a loss, with the exception of presumably the Louisiana Monroe game. Uh, I think that's safe to say that's a win, but you, you, you finish out the year at LSU, Mississippi State at home at the beginning of the season when looking at SEC games at home, with the exception of Vanderbilt. Mississippi State was the game that jumped out at at UK fans as being maybe the next uh, winnable game. Not anymore. Mississippi State obviously looking very good, dominating Texas A&M this weekend. And then you've got at Missouri, who leads the SEC East with just one win. Then you have Georgia at Tennessee at Louisville. All those games right now, in my opinion, are toss-ups. Kentucky looked great on the road at Florida and was a missed call away from winning that game. So can they go down to LSU and win? Can they win at Missouri? Can they win at Tennessee? Can they win at Louisville? And can they take care of business at home at Commonwealth Stadium like they did against South Carolina? I would think you've got every reason in the world right now to say yes, but they didn't look perfect against South Carolina. A lot of mistakes, a lot of things that they can fix. But the fact of the matter is they walked out of Commonwealth Stadium with a win, going 2-1 and one in the SEC, 4-1 and one on the season. 
and, and, and while I'll say that there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of things they can work on, to be able to win a game like that and not play perfect, I think says a lot about UK's football program, what Mark Stoops has been able to do in such a short amount of time. And if you're not, if you're a UK fan and you're not optimistic about the future, then you never will be because it's, I think the corner has been turned, if not fully turned, then you're, you're right about to, you're, you're real close. So a huge win for Kentucky. And like I said, we're going to spend a lot of time on the show today talking about that. Yates, how was your weekend? It was good. That's good. That's good. Do anything, anything notable? Um, not really. Went out to uh, St. James Art Fair on Saturday. That's about it. Sounds like you're eating something, Yates. Perhaps. <laughs> okay. Well, you get back to, to chewing on that. St. X gets a huge win against Trinity on Friday. Uh, it had been a seven-game losing streak. The Curry Journal had printed that it had been a seven-year losing streak. That was not accurate. But it was a seven-game losing streak to to Trinity. You never want to have that long of a losing streak to your rival. I didn't watch the game, but I did follow along and, and listen to parts of it. Big win for St. X. Seems like a much more exciting offense on Poplar level road. So uh, I think basically it could come down, you know, at least in the city, if St. X is better than Trinity – which we've seen time after time, San X beat Trinity in the regular season and lose in the postseason. So that's certainly not a fair, uh, a completely accurate statement. Trinity could be better. But if they are better than Trinity, basically it could come down to just San X and Mail. Uh, they play this weekend. So we'll keep an eye on on high school football here on the Sports Talker. But uh, Louisville gets a big win at Syracuse. I was talking today. I, but with the exception of the Miami game, I don't know if there's been one Louisville game that you can look at. And if you're a Louisville fan, be thrilled with how you want it or, or with how the game finished. Obviously, with the loss of, at Virginia, you can't be happy about that. But didn't look great in the Florida International game. Maybe their best all-around performance with the exception of Miami. Defense has looked really, really good this year, regardless of the game. But then again, not playing the best offenses in the ACC, uh, relatively bad offenses, all things considered, when you look at it on a national scale. But defense has been good. You can't really take that away from Louisville. But offense is still so many question marks. And now we're hearing that Devontae Parker could be back for this weekend, which will be huge. Uh, Again, it's kind of a shame for Kentucky. You look at that Louisville game at the end of the year, and it looks like, barring an upset against Louisiana Monroe, Worst case scenario for Kentucky, they could be playing for a bowl game against Louisville to end the year. And we talked about before the season, we talked about when they announced that the Louisville-Kentucky game would move to the end of the year. Regardless of how bad of a season Kentucky's having or how bad of a season Louisville's having or how good of a season both of those games are, if, if Kentucky can go into that game with a chance to go to a bowl, then make it the last game of the year every year. That would be that's all you need out of that game is for a chance Kentucky for Kentucky to go to the bowl. They'll be playing for everything. And again, that's assuming they beat Louisiana Monroe and lose to everybody else on the schedule. And I don't think that's a safe assumption. But even if they are a bowl, even if they do have six or seven wins going into that Louisville game, then 
it's a great season for Kentucky, a lot to be happy about, excited about. So the big fear about moving the Louisville-UK game to the end of the year was, well, what if Kentucky has nothing to play for? Uh, I, I guess the same could be said for Louisville. Uh, it's pretty clear Louisville's going to get bowl eligible. Uh, maybe not. That, that might not be a super. That might not be the safest of assumptions. They just need to find one more win on their schedule. But things from here on out will certainly get much tougher for the Cards. But now looking at the move to move Kentucky and Louisville to the end of the year again, I don't think that benefits Kentucky. I think if Kentucky could play Louisville right now, they would win without a doubt. But it's it's going to have everything you want in a rivalry game. Uh, it's going to be a chilly day in Louisville, so uh, that that should be exciting. And they did announce today that the Louisville-Kentucky game, the series has been renewed. Uh, the contract extended throughout 2019. So you're going to have a Louisville-Kentucky game uh, at least for the next few years. And I expect as long as the conferences keep their schedules at eight games instead of moving them to nine games, I think you're going to see that be the case moving forward uh, for the foreseeable future. But the fact of the matter is, like I said with Kentucky, Louisville hasn't looked great. Wins 28 to 6 on the road. You can't complain about a win like that. Uh, But but didn't look great. But again, it's a win. You're 5-1 of the year. You're 3-1 of the conference. You move on. You just hope you get better the next week. Uh, I think Kentucky did play better than Louisville this weekend, but not great. Uh, the defense was easily the worst performance they've they've had. Giving up 38 points to South Carolina. Just showing no improvement on stopping the run throughout the game. Letting Mike Davis, who I called the most underrated running back in the SEC, get 183 yards, 8 yards per carry and three touchdowns. The backup Carson, 9.3 yards per carry on four carries, also had a touchdown. Pretty much everybody ran wild for South Carolina. And I went back and I watched the game earlier this morning because I was at the NBA game Saturday night, and I'll talk more about that later in the show. I did watch the UK-South Carolina game during the NBA game on ESPN3, but I didn't listen to it. It was hard to hear. Uh, I it, I wasn't giving it as much attention as I would have liked. And then also I missed a good chunk of the third quarter having to go get interviews and write some stories. I uh, did watch the end, did watch the fourth quarter. I went back and rewatched the whole game today. I'm trying to figure out what went wrong with Kentucky's defense because anybody that's watched UK this year and specifically on the defensive side of the ball has been should be very impressed with what they've seen. Uh, replacing Avery Williamson. Nobody thought that'd be easy, but for the most part, the linebackers have done a a relatively good job this season. Losing Mr. Cobble and Dante Rupp on the defensive line, again, not the most talented guys, but very experienced. Questions with how UK would be able to to fill those positions. And all those questions positively answered at this point of the year, but almost a collapse in the run stop against South Carolina, and I don't think – you knew South Carolina was going to try to run the ball, and we'll talk more about why in the world did they go away from the run in the fourth quarter. That, that was the sole reason UK was able to come back from 14 points down in the fourth quarter, the biggest fourth quarter comeback in UK football history. Uh, the, the fact that South Carolina went away from the run, again, that allowed UK to come back because I, I, Kentucky wasn't going to stop Mike Davis. 
So I was watching today trying to see what happened, what went wrong. And, you know, you, you wish you could say that somebody had a bad game, and, and maybe they did have bad games. But it was just South Carolina being more physical, moving UK guys where they want them to go. And, and the one thing I could come up with was UK at, at the beginning of the game knew Dylan Thompson wasn't Connor Shaw. They knew he wasn't going to run. They weren't going to do a lot of option stuff to the edges. They weren't going to pitch it to Mike Davis on the edge. They Kentucky possibly thought that Zadarius Smith and Bud Dupree would scare Scout, South Carolina enough to run up the middle. So to counter that, UK put all their emphasis up the middle. Well, if you watch the, the South Carolina game, they did go up the middle quite, quite often and had success there, but they also ran Dylan Thompson a little bit more than I, than I think many expected. He had seven carries for 33 yards, a couple of those big third down conversions. But they, they were able to get to the corners, I think, more than UK expected them to even try to get to the corner. And I don't think UK thought it'd be as easy for them to get to the corner. So I, I think UK's game plan kind of was scattered and altered early on in that game, and they were never able to get in a groove. They, I think they likely prepped all week to try to stop the run up the middle, thinking they'd be fine on the ends. And then they quickly learned that they weren't, tried to readjust, and ended up being in trouble both in the middle and on the, on the end. So maybe not the best preparation for UK. Uh, that's the one thing, I think, when you look at the tape that, that went wrong for the UK's defense. Otherwise, they, they kind of just... They weren't as physical up front as South Carolina was. But here's the good news. For as bad as UK's defense was, it, it was a typical, and this has been the case all year, it was a bend-don't-break. And it did seem like they broke UK's defense several times, giving up touchdown after touchdown. But when push came to shove, three interceptions for the secondary, all three coming at crucial times in the game. One, obviously, A.J. Stamps right before the half. South Carolina moving the ball up 17-14. to 14. If they get a touchdown, they've got a two-possession lead heading into halftime. Commonwealth Stadium, the, the atmosphere and the environment would have been uh, much quieter. A field goal even makes a six-point game. Likely, Kentucky doesn't get any points. Uh, South Carolina goes in the half being up six, having that much more confidence. Instead, A.J. Stamps makes a great play. and You can almost sounds like a, a broken record with how many times I've said that this year. Makes a great play, reads that route from the beginning, jumps right in front of the receiver, and has a great return back. Kentucky able to get in field goal range and knock down the field goal. It's tied at half when Kentucky didn't seem like they should let alone be tied, but even in that game. So that was a huge interception, and then obviously Bud Dupree's to to put UK up on top was a game winner. And for anybody that's watched UK over the past few years, and, and these this is for the true fans that have stuck around with Kentucky in their worst times, their two and ten seasons, and Joker Phillips being fired and Vanderbilt winning forty to nothing. You have to feel for Bud Dupree and be happy for the UK senior to win that game against South Carolina. To be able to win that against Steve Spurrier, not only because of him, but for him to be the guy that put UK on top and for the Cats to never look back after that play, that's a feel-good story. 
I've interviewed Bud Dupree a hundred times throughout his career. And he's just a guy that's always been positive about UK football, even when there was no reason to be. And you talk to him after loss and loss and loss. And, and a lot of those losses were tough losses, especially last season. Kentucky played Mississippi State very, very tough on the road. Played South Carolina tough on the road last year. Played Vanderbilt tough on the road last year. And UK came up short in all those games. And you'd ask him, and, and he would eventually say, we're going to get it. We're going to get it right. I, I'm optimistic. I, I, I'm upset. But eventually, we're going to figure it out. We're going to get it right. Well, it probably took longer than he wanted. But they got it right against South Carolina yesterday, and, and he was a big reason why. Great concentration on that tipped pass from, from Mike Douglas and for him to be able to run it in right in front of the student section. Uh, somebody that was at the game said that was the loudest they've ever heard Commonwealth Stadium. I wouldn't doubt it. I wasn't there, but I wouldn't doubt it. But we'll talk more about UK's big win against South Carolina, what to look forward to uh, next, and, and also what the offense did. We talked a lot about the defense, but the offense kept UK in the game, and Wildcat JoJo Kemp Spur couldn't stop it. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. And we're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Had a tweet into the show, as always. You can tweet into the show. I like to read them on the air. This one, talking about the play of UK's offensive line from Aaron Luckett. Don't let it go unnoticed. UK's offense line is good. Haven't been talked about much. It really hasn't been talked about as a whole throughout the season. It hasn't been talked a lot about. There have been some shaky moments for UK's offense line. They've given up probably more sacks overall that they would like on the year. But against South Carolina, they only gave up one sack. And I tell you what, uh, pass protection, it's maybe... I think it's just been okay for the most part. But when it comes to to establishing the run game, UK's offensive line has been great this year. And I don't know, for as much as I said, I don't know necessarily what went wrong with UK's defense against South Carolina. I don't know what went right for UK's offensive line and the Wildcat and what went right to close out the Vandy game last week. But something they're doing when when they have JoJo Kemp back there in the Wildcat, and it doesn't even have to be JoJo Kemp, but he's the guy getting the obviously the majority of the carries. I don't know what it is. I I watched. I tried to see if maybe it was something that South Carolina's defense couldn't pick up, but it was basically just offensive linemen that you find your guy and you try to hold your block long enough. A lot of it falls on JoJo Kemp. He's being very patient in the backfield in these wildcat snaps. He'll sit back there for two seconds, which almost seems like an eternity during a play wait, see where to go, and as soon as he finds that hole, it's north and south right through it, and he won't start going east and west until he gets quite a few yards, breaks, uh, gets past the initial line of defense, and then he's got to start to dance around his the defensive backs. But that's, that's a good point. The offensive line 
in this Wildcat formation has been unbelievable and just the rushing game by itself. And I like I like to say I know football. I don't know I don't know what it is about this Wildcat formation that opposing defenses are having such a tough time stopping. And it's it's not like Kentucky's just doing that this when they need to get a yard or two for a first down. This was basically their offense in the fourth quarter. It was basically JoJo Kemp, you get the ball and we know you're gonna get not just a few yards, but we know you're going to move the chain. 7.7 yards per carry for JoJo Kemp. 17 carries, 131 yards, third touchdown. And if you watch that game in the fourth quarter, before he breaks off his big run that eventually leads to his third touchdown in a tie ball game, he's beat. He's asking to come out. Both Braylon Hurd kind of shaken up. And Miguel Horton being the only other option because Stanley Williams obviously was suspended. I guess they could have went to Josh Clemens, but it was clear that it was JoJo Kim's show with Hurd and Horton being the backups. I guess maybe they didn't see that he needed to to come out of the game, that he signaled to come out, that he was tired. He looked dead, tapped his helmet, couldn't come out. The next play, he breaks off a 40-yard run, gets UK inside the 10-yard line. That's when he fell down on the sideline and and had the medical crew come out. He ended up being okay, sat out one play, came back the next play, scored a touchdown for Kentucky as the student section was chanting JoJo. So the rushing game, JoJo Kemp, obviously the hero for Kentucky. Patrick Tolles played a solid game. I wouldn't say he he won the game, obviously, but uh, 20 for 29, 208 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. That trick play was the one that did it. And maybe that's part of the reason why the Wildcat offense is working is that there are other options to it. While it does seem like 95% of the time it's going to be JoJo Kemp running right up the middle, they can do other things. You, You have seen JoJo pitch it. To the, to the motion wide receiver, whether that's Javis Blue or whoever it may be. And then you saw, of course, the trick play that, that resulted in a wide-open touchdown. You got to love seeing stuff like that work against Spurrier if you're a UK fan. So maybe that's part of the reason why is because there are many different things that he can do. The defensive ends can't just rush in or pack the middle. They actually do have to respect the corners. I don't know, but it's working, and I don't think UK is going to go away from it anytime soon. Now, you'd like to think that they don't have to rely on that a ton against Louisiana Monroe, but to close out the Vandy game, that's what they went to, and to come back and ultimately win the South Carolina game, that's what they turned to. And you know you're going to see it in LSU. You know you're going to see it throughout the rest of the year. But it's hilarious to me when they do it play after play after play, and it's the exact same play. It's just where's the hole might be different on each play. But why not keep doing it and, until they stop it? Yates, did you get a chance to watch the UK game on Saturday night? I actually did not get to watch it. Yates, come on. That's a big game. Yes, oh well, I realized that. Oh well, I didn't have access to the SEC network Friday night. 
or Saturday night, I mean. You don't have SEC Network? Where I was, Doesn't... I was trying to watch it on my computer via Watch ESPN, and it was I was using Time Warner, and it, it you can't watch the SEC Network on Watch ESPN with Time Warner. I have I heard I've ha- I have heard people say that before, and that's just another reason why Time Warner is the worst. I thought you had AT and T Uverse. I thought you got me on AT and T Uverse. I did get you on AT and T Uverse. You're right. But you don't have AT and T Uverse. I do, but I was I wasn't using my login. I was at someone. I was somewhere else, and I was trying to watch it, and the, I couldn't watch it there. I see. Okay. Well, that's a well, that's a bummer. What what was some of your takeaways from the Louisville game? Uh, the defense continues to look really, really good. I mean, maybe even better than they get credit for. I know they get a lot of credit currently because they're basically keeping the team afloat, more or less. But I, I don't know. They continue to impress me with how good they're playing. Um, the offense is... I mean, there's still some things that need to be worked out, obviously. I thought it looked a little better. Radcliffe, I mean, it looks like he might be the best running back on the team. I mean, they keep feeding him the ball, and he just continues to perform. So, Yeah, it's uh, – Louisville's defense has been great, no doubt about that. Who's got the better secondary, though, Kentucky or Louisville? And I know you haven't had a chance to to watch a ton of Kentucky. I have been able to watch both, but obviously I don't know Louisville as well. I, I think potentially Louisville has the best player, but I don't know if it's crazy to say as an overall unit, Kentucky might have a better secondary in which before the season that might have been that might have been crazy to to think about. But I think Louisville is maybe first in the in the country in in interceptions. Um, as a team, I'm not sure what their rank is. I know Gerard Holloman leads the nation. Maybe in, maybe in it is just Holloman is number one. But they in do, interceptions. I mean, he's, he's not the only one with interceptions. There are multiple players with interceptions. I like I say I don't know where they rank as a team. Um. I think I saw a stat, uh, I guess it was after the game, so I don't know as of Saturday's statistics, but I think I saw something where if if he was ranked amongst teams, he would be like 12th or something amongst teams when it comes to interceptions just by himself. That's that's insane. So, like I say, I don't know with regard to the team and how they rank, but I, I would imagine they're pretty high up there. Yeah, it, it's to be able to have that many interceptions such so early, really just halfway through the season for Louisville is crazy. Maybe it was either Louisville ranks first as a team in interceptions and Kentucky's fourth, or maybe that was just Holloman versus AJ Stamps. I, I'm I'm not sure. I need to find that stat, but uh, such a weakness for Kentucky last year was the secondary. And Louisville's defense obviously was was sound last year. I wouldn't necessarily maybe say the strength of their team, although Charlie Strong would have liked to think that it was. But 
stepping up huge with a many, which many consider an offensive minded coach. Uh, the emphasis is certainly on the defenses here for Louisville, but the secondary for UK, uh, the easily the biggest weakness for that, for the overall team last year, maybe quarterback play was a worse, but the secondary was not great. And I don't know if I've ever seen a turnaround like it. Uh, guys just got a little bit older. They brought in guys like AJ stamps, so it's it's if you're a Kentucky fan, it's a lot more fun to to watch this defense overall, and especially the secondary. Only two interceptions all of last season. Had three on Saturday against South Carolina. Just just crazy. But like I mentioned, I was at the NBA game on Saturday, kind of switching gears here. We might get back to the Kentucky South Carolina game in the last segment. If not the game, maybe the maybe the, the how the the season outlook look should be changed. I did predict a, a UK win over South Carolina, CatsIllustrated.com, and Yates found the found the stat for me. Louisville leads the nation in interceptions. UK is tied for fourth, twelve and nine. Crazy to think about. And again, I, I did mention earlier in the show that Louisville's all, a defense hasn't maybe played the best offenses, and it's going to get much tougher for them later in the year. I would say Kentucky's defense hasn't gone against the best quarterbacks. They're going to go against much better quarterbacks in the second half of the season, but still some respectable teams, some good wide receivers, that's for sure. And to be fourth in the nation in interceptions right now, with that turnaround, and for Kentucky and Louisville to combine for 21 interceptions, is I don't think anybody would have guessed it. I know Mark Stoops probably runs the defense more than DJ Elliott does, but Elliott does a lot of hands-on stuff in practice. I imagine all of UK's football staff, unless they were to lose out, and, and you know if they were to beat Louisiana Monroe and then lose the rest of their games and finish five and seven. That wouldn't be the most, the best way to finish a year. I don't know how the, how the UK fans would react at that point, but regardless with what they've been able to do this year, all the coaches need to get some sort of raise, especially Mark Stoops. And I, I would think without a doubt, DJ Elliott as well, who again, I think it's Mark Stoops mostly running the defense and, and obviously, he gets the final say in, in any plays that they run. But just the talent level and, and the awareness and the game, the the X's and O's and game prep for the secondary is just so much better than it's been. So, uh, definitely need to be some raises and uh, keep every. Remember Tennessee Vol coach. He's the cornerbacks coach. He needs to. He might. He he needs to get a little bump as well. He's a great recruiter too. But anyways, at the I, I was at. We'll, we'll talk a little more football later. But at the KFC Yum Center Saturday night for the Pelicans and Heat game. Uh, much better atmosphere and crowd than I would have ever imagined. A true sellout, they said 20,073. 
and you know you would have thought maybe they wanted to lie about the numbers whoever was it wanted to be the most attended preseason game in the history of the NBA but it was I, I promise you unless there was a section behind me in the in the last upper level that I couldn't see every it, it was a true sellout you didn't see empty seats and that was with and, and based on t-shirts and this doesn't necessarily mean a lot I saw more Kentucky fans than Louisville fans. Again, the Louisville fans were louder. The re, the We Want Russ chants echoed throughout the Yum Center. And I did see a couple of UK fans obviously participating in those chants. But uh, heading into the stadium and kind of just doing a quick crowd survey, it almost seemed like there's more UK fans there. you got to imagine Kentucky having a 7.30 kickoff at the exact same time in, in the biggest UK football game in debatably seven years. You have to think that turns some UK fans away. Still able to to sell out the Yum Center and, and make for a great atmosphere. And the NBA, they've basically turned it, it. It's it's amazing how they're able to keep fans involved and keep the game exciting. It was a preseason game, a preseason game where a, a lot of the time the only UK UVL tied player playing was Darius Miller, who played nearly a game high. And Darius Miller isn't the most exciting player to watch. UK fans love him, and he'll forever be remembered as as he should be. But the NBA does a great job of playing music and doing gimmicks and promotions. They gave away a thousand dollars to a lucky fan, just went up to him, gave him a thousand bucks. It was quite the show. Now, I did think for fans that went to the game, I'm sure you noticed the Heat's personal DJ. Now, this was a a home game for. Miami, but they they had their official DJ there. Trying to trying to think of his name it was DJ Aron or something like that. It was pretty funny. It, it almost reminded me of a Parks and Rec episode. They had this little DJ booth right next to the court that he was at the entire game and. He was dancing, and they had five Miami Heat cheerleaders behind him dancing all up on him, and he'd play the music and try to get the crowd going. It was, it was, uh, I know Louisville Louisville does a great job for their basketball games of getting the crowd excited and amped up, and Kentucky's starting to do a better job of it. Uh, but this was as over the top as it would get. It was really funny to watch and, and watch some of the reactions of the people sitting around me, especially some of the older crowd that just – you could tell wanted it to stop instantly, uh, but the younger kids liked it. But a good atmosphere. It, it's always fun to see Louisville and Kentucky fans get together and cheer for the same team, although they were probably cheering for different players on that team. It was a good atmosphere. It was a good environment. It was loud at times. Russ Smith was really fun to watch. I'll, I'll be the first to say it. Really fun to watch. He's going to make it in the NBA one way or the other. Didn't get in till the third quarter, despite Louisville fans chanting, we want Russ at the start of the second quarter. But I tell you what, NBA, NBA people don't, don't mess around and they're not the friendliest, the friendliest coaches and, and media members in the world. Monty Williams was asked about 
being in Louisville and having Kentucky and Louisville guys come home, he instantly dismissed it, said before the game, it doesn't matter. He's going to play his rotation. He doesn't care about that. After the game, I think it was Rick Bozich playfully asked, what do you think of the we want Russ chance? And he said, I didn't care about that or that stuff doesn't matter to me in a very stern voice. And then I think, I think it was Bozich followed up and said, well, did you hear it at least? And then he just repeated his answer and said, I I don't worry about that. That, that doesn't bother me. Didn't even crack a smile or laugh. Have fun. It's the first NBA preseason game of the year. First time you're getting to coach your team against other competition your second round draft picks playing in his home arena where he helped win a national championship and, and you can't have a little fun with that. Russ Smith ended up playing, I believe 13 minutes scoring 12 points did really well. And, and Williams did have nice things to say about Russ, but also was a little critical said he needs to learn to play with others. Kind of ridiculous. And also I'll talk about this after the break, a near media fight. Like, really, almost a fight between media members that happened before the game. So you won't want to miss that. Stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. All right. We're back. One final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Let me get. Let me tell this story about the, the near media fight. Man, media sometimes can just be hilarious to watch. And I know that I'm fully media and that I fit into this category, but sometimes it's fun for me to just kind of take a step back and either listen to a media member's conversation with one another. Not all of them. Some of, some of my good friends are, are media members that I met working through this job. But there are some real losers in that category. And one of those real losers worked with the New Orleans Pelicans. And I, and I don't know his name, and I'm sure I'll never see him again. Uh, he works for the, the, the radio broadcast team. So... The way the NBA media works is ridiculous in its own right. Uh, you can get players during the shoot-around in the morning, and that's when we talk to Russ Smith and Anthony Davis and Darius Miller. Uh, you can get them in the pregame in the locker room. The coach also speaks pregame, and then obviously you get them all postgame. So this was pregame. This is the first time we had a, a chance to talk to the Pelicans coach, Williams. And... We're sitting around. We're told that they're going to be in Louisville's visiting locker room. And so we're waiting outside. There's a group of media members, maybe five of us. And and he's late. I think he was supposed to speak around 6 o'clock. It's about 6.06, and he's not there. And eventually, we look down the hall, and they changed locker rooms last minute. They're going to speak in Louisville's women's locker room, which supposedly is nicer than the men's visiting locker room, which makes sense. It should be. So we all rush down there. We head down there. There's a group of about eight reporters talking to, to their coach, the Pelicans head coach. It's just like any other interview session. 
they're surrounding him. You see a bunch of recorders and microphones up there. We know we're a little bit late. I won't talk about the Louisville media member that was involved in the, uh, I won't say his name, although I'm sure he's probably not, uh, doesn't really care. But he, he works for a Louisville TV station. It wasn't Rick Bozich, who I mentioned earlier. So we get there late, and he asks a question from the back, and he, he says, for us, they got here late. Well, the, the New Orleans media member is interviewing him, and he continues to talk over this Louisville TV media member. And eventually, the Louisville TV media member stops his question. That's kind of how that works when two people ask a question at the same time. It's basically whoever doesn't feel awkward enough to keep talking. So sometimes you'll see these awkward situations where two people will just ask a question at the same time and ask the entire question, and it really confuses the person that's giving the interview, and you will basically just pick one person to go. But this time, the, the New Orleans guy outlasted the TV media personality and, and asked his question. So he asks his question. The next question, uh, the Louisville guy starts to ask and talk again. This time, the, the New Orleans media member that works with the radio broadcast team, looks back at him, gives him this ugly look, talks on the microphone and says, thanks a lot, thanks a lot coach, good night, or, or good luck tonight. And the coach says thanks. So what that was, was it was their pregame radio interview that they're going to run on the official radio network. Basically when you know Tom Leach gets, gets John Calipari before the game or gets Mark Stoops before the game for a little three-minute one-on-one interview. So the New Orleans guy's done talking to the coach and he walks by and kind of brushes shoulders with the Louisville TV personality and looks at him funny. And we go on with the interview. It, it's just your normal interview. That's when he's kind of a, a jerk to about Russ Smith saying he's not going to play him this and that. So afterwards, we're heading back and the New Orleans guy literally goes up and gets in front of this TV personality and, and says, what you did back there was BS. You have all the nerve in the world to think that you're better than this interview and you get to talk over me and ruin my interview. He says, just, I don't know how you do things around here in this college town, but that's not the way it works in, at the, at the professional level. And the TV guy's shocked that this guy is literally attacking him three inches from his face says, uh, this is an open interview. It says on the media, email we got, which it did, that this was an open interview at 6 o'clock. It doesn't say anything about one person gets a one-on-one with him while 12 other people watch, which he's at, he's right. It didn't say that. And he says, well, I don't care if you've ever been around me. You know that I get these questions first, and then you guys have Adam. But I get the first questions because it's for the radio broadcast. And he goes, listen, buddy, we didn't know that, and you're overreacting. And they went on back and forth, and the guy just started yelling at him. And eventually the Louisville guy wanted to just get away from him and leave and go back to the media room and, and start to type. He goes, if you want an apology, then sorry. If that makes you feel better, then sorry. And the New Orleans guy goes, it does. It makes me feel a lot better, but you're still a, you're still a jerk. It was, it was so stupid. Media members can be so ridiculous, but this was, had nothing to do with the Louisville TV personality. The New Orleans guy overreacted big time. We're out of time today. Tune in tomorrow. I'm going to give my SEC power rankings. It seemed like they're all over the place. Meant to do that today, but just ran out of time. Huge win for Kentucky. Big win for Louisville. Programs move on. St- uh, join us tomorrow, same time, 3 o'clock, 1450, the Sports Buzz. We'll be back then. Thanks for listening. Oh, in the city of-
lights still glow To my old Kentucky home My old Kentucky home oh, They say welcome to the 502 Take a Georgia boy, show him how Kentucky do Freeze classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget to seven, no be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home. Take a shot of tone.